0: You there? Hello? Yep. Perfect. Okay. We're just going to hop right in. So what's going on, guys? Anthony here again with Vassila Sampson. I'm excited. It's the second episode that we're actually going to be doing here. She was on here, I believe it was, I actually just checked the date. It was in June. It was in the very beginning of June. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So pretty excited. If you guys haven't heard or listened to that, please go back and, and check that out. It was a lot of great content on that one um how are you today I'm I'm well how about you I'm doing pretty good here I'm um, excited about today because I have a lot of new questions and topics that I kind of want to talk about um as a lot of the listeners know uh, a lot of my questions are kind of geared around my uh my own experiences and, and areas that I'm looking to get a little bit more competent in um, I'm relatively new to this space so I'm just trying to you know, associate myself with a lot of people that uh, are much more um, experienced than I am, and hopefully they can help me out.
1: Awesome, yeah. Well, I appreciate you having me back, Anthony. I look forward to our conversation.
0: Good, good, good. Um, so let's start here. What are some uh, some trends, themes, issues, hot takes that are just happening right now uh, with your day to day job? Things that you're noticing the 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 social media landscape i know via linkedin twitter i don't know if you're um really big onto those in those uh two different uh, mediums there's a lot of great um, topic points that people are kind of talking about in this space of leadership and hr are there anything right now whether it's a trend a theme an issue a topic a hot take something that is catching your eye or, or currently happening with your with your job and your role today
1: yeah um Well, as you talk, I think the first thing that sort of comes to my mind, um, related to my job, but kind of thinking more broadly, um, are kind of the trends that are going on in the future of work, right? Mm. Um, And what I mean is like 21st century, what can we expect? Um, 2020 is almost here. So 2020 and beyond, what can we expect from uh, the new world of work? And I'm not sure if you're familiar with um, somebody named Jacob Morgan, but he does a really good summary of the future of work trends, which I think are noteworthy. Um, And if you don't mind, I kind of want to go through a couple of them. Yeah, yeah. So um, one of them actually relates to what you just said. Um, and he does it as new behaviors and this really refers to our new world of social interaction right via social media and just being generally accustomed to folks being more out there on different platforms mm-hmm. like yourself and myself so for example take the e1b2 podcast and in your linkedin presence all of this being an example of um, what is meant by new behaviors in the workspace the second is generational workforce really as you know is going to be led or is being led by millennials and generation z so unlike any other time in history we actually have four different generations all working together i've heard i've heard (laughs) about this yeah and we all have very different views right and values on how we'd like to work i'm not quite sure about um your organization, but mine, I think I have about three or about three different. We've got um, baby boomers, Gen X's and millennials uh, where I currently work. Um, the main takeaway is that employers are shifting, I I think. And and if they aren't, they need to. Mm-hmm. Um, they're shifting from viewing their work environments as a place people need to work to one, attracting the best people who want to work for them. That's a a key distinction. Yeah. Um, I guess the third in the big trends is, you know, AI. There's a lot of talk about AI, big data uh, in healthcare. We talk about blockchain, you name it. So these are all changing how we work. The main takeaway for this and technology would be advanced technology is making work a lot easier in some aspects. But the challenge I think we're up against is really redefining the work humans are actually going to need to do in this new uh, future. And then uh, mobility. Um, perhaps I think gone are the days where you need butts in seats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and employees just need to be you know in a chair in the office in order to do their jobs. We now have remote access to information and we're connected. And so long as we're connected to the internet, basically you can work. So the main takeaway is you know, increased uh, mobility allows employers to take advantage of talent anywhere in the world. And I think the last one being um, what I like to call is going global. And it's all related to the previous trends I just mentioned, but this is where I feel they all culminate. Um, it can feel like almost one big city or one big common place with our ability to access the same information and then connect or collaborate with technology that allows us to kind of feel like we're in the same room even though we're not Mm -hmm. um what was once a challenge i think for smaller institutions to interact with one another uh around the world is now it's available for every institution whether you're a
0: nonprofit um like me or a fortune 500 company Mm -hmm. interesting that was a lot there um i was trying to keep track of everything that you said because there was one thing that i think two or three topics ago that really caught my attention, um, which was kind of the the leverage has shifted in my eyes a bit, right? I think employees are now a little bit more strategic about where they decide to work oh, because yeah. they don't feel uh, like they necessarily, like there's so many different choices based off of their skill sets. They can really pick a job that's more conducive to their passion whereas I say 20, 25 years ago, People were just scrambling to just get a job. Now, I, I think that still may be the case in certain parts of the world. Um, but what are your thoughts on that, right? Do you think there's a shift happening where employers and brands are starting to realize that um, these employees may have a little bit more leverage, right? Because I'm just thinking in an interview, um, I actually just did an interview today, actually. And um, mm-hmm. I was explaining to this candidate, like, you know, I want you to let us know if you think it's a good fit. like you shouldn't just be selling us or, or, or we, you know, we shouldn't be, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, you shouldn't just be selling us. We should be selling you. We should be um, trying to make sure that it's a good fit for you and make sure that everyone's going to be on the same page here. Whereas though I just feel 10, 15 years ago was the other way around. So what are your thoughts about that? Do you feel like employees have a little bit more leverage nowadays due to the complexity of different roles, the skill sets that they have, the flexibility, do you think there's some changes happening there?
1: Oh, absolutely. Now, don't get me wrong. I think there's still organizations and companies that may be operating on that old model, but the ones that are sort of doing it really well, um, understand that absolutely the employee has the leverage. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, just employers are now not just like, you know, we are picking you, but you've now got to select us. It's a much more Um, mutual relationship I think than in any other time um, in history and I think back when I really started my career like was over 10 years ago I didn't feel that way (laughs) (laughs) at all I was like I've got to get a job like I hope you pick me Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and now uh I think you're allowed as an employee to showcase a lot more of who you are. And I think if you really want to be a successful uh, enterprise going forward, you need to understand that um, who you are employing isn't just this one person, right? you got to think about the, the total person. Um, and I do that when I'm, I'm, I'm doing that when I'm hiring. You know, like what other skill sets um, outside of the role that I may be hiring you for? are of interest to you. You know, tell me about you. I want to I want to build a team of people who are interesting, right? Inside and outside of work. Um because okay. you're working all the almost you could argue you're working all the time. Mm-hmm. Um because you're because we're so connected. So we're not doing like assembly lines, you're not making just widgets. I mean, we've got AI, right, for that. So um you uh-huh. really have to be
0: um this, this total this total package. Let me ask you this how do you remain thoughtful as an employer uh, yeah as an employee as a leader as someone that is selecting these individuals how do you stay thoughtful about that because that's something I've actually been talking to, uh, to to my CEO about which is we need to start realizing and understanding and respecting and appreciating some of the other skill sets that they bring to the table based off of other jobs that they have. Uh, certain passions that they have that maybe we don't know about and and trying to utilize those while also not forgetting about what they originally are here to do. So how do you remain thoughtful about that? Right. How do you make a note for yourself? Do you have other team members that kind of help you uh, remember those variables? And then how do you eventually uh, six months down the road, two years down the road, put those other tasks or tests rather, of those other skills in place to be able to you know benefit the company? How do you, how do you remain thoughtful about that?
1: a good question so um let me unpack that a little bit i guess for me i've done a lot of personal leadership development Mm -hmm. um which focused a lot on being a a total leader (laughs) and we're talking about things like that right so Mm -hmm. from that perspective like i'm aware of it um kind of on the job for me i never really hire for the right now i'm always thinking What's three years from now going to mm-hmm. look like, and um, kind of having that thirty thousand foot level, knowing, knowing my organization, knowing the industry, knowing our field, like what can I anticipate that we may not have um, an employee right now that can do, but you know, if we were to grow or, to, or expand, like what would what would I need somebody to do? Yeah, Does that make sense. No, um, it makes total and sense. Do you have the skill set? For that. I mean, for me, wrapped up in all of this, actually, um, which I know you talk a lot about, is um, successful employee e- experience or engagement. Yeah. So the other thing I'm thinking about now is hmm, okay, so I'm going to recognize that you are a total person. I want you to stay engaged. Again, I want you to pick us. So I want you to be as, as the realist version of yourself, what other interests do you have that I could leverage, right? Mm -hmm. That you got to use within the job. Again, maybe it's not necessarily for this role right now, but what does it look like six months down the road or a year down the road? Um, And really kind of understanding them from that perspective.
0: Do you find that employees appreciate that? Oh,
1: 100%. And in fact, I'm surprised. Um, still, when I kind of present that to them, they kind of give me a look like nobody's ever asked me. Yeah, what I think before.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah.
1: what? And I'm that. And we. I'm kind of shocked by that too, mainly because, uh, you know, it, it's quite simple to me um, how to drive employee experience and engagement successfully. And there, I mean, there's two things I can think about that co- like pop into my head. And I mean, they're free. They really take no effort
0: or to strategy. Do yeah. Yeah. What What were there two that you were going to say? I'm sorry.
1: Oh, um, I guess the first is, uh, tying an employee's goals to the organization's yep. strategies or goals. Um, I mean, this is really, really simple. In fact, there's a a Harvard Business Review um, article by Amy Gallo, I think. And she talks about a professor at Harvard Business School um, in the article. And one of the principles that she talks about is exactly this, tying or connecting employee goals to larger company goals. Mm -hmm. So essentially, every employee needs to have an understanding about how their role plays into the larger organization ambitions, right? Mm-hmm. And the easiest, most common sense way, I think, to make company goals meaningful to employees employees is to connect the two. Let
0: me ask you this, and I don't mean to go a little bit left field. Let me ask you this, because this is something I'm literally going through right now where I'm trying to remain patient, remain <laughs> remain calm, I guess, because it can be frustrating at times, but I get where this guy's coming from. So we, uh, we just hired a new guy. Um, he's been an entrepreneur in LA. Um, And, and again, if I don't know if you remember uh, the industry that I'm in, I'm in the fitness Mm -hmm. industry. So the LA scene from a fitness perspective is very competitive. You have all of the most beautiful, not only actors and musicians, but you have a lot of influencers now out there as well. So there's there's tons of uh, personal trainers and gyms and all different types of fitness opportunities out there. Um, So, This kid literally was 17, lived in Maryland, flew out to L.A. with a one-way ticket, figured it out. So from 18 to 24, uh, built up a brand that was a little under six figures, was training a lot of influencers that had four or five hundred thousand followers. And he was really doing some fantastic things. Mother got a little sick, decided to come back to Maryland, needed to have some stability as he takes care of his mother and, and kind of supports the family but he has that entrepreneurial chip and that fire. Right. And I, and I know where he's coming from because I had that currently. And I Mm -hmm. had that, you know, I was a a three-time founder myself. I made money. I've lost money. I I know that feeling. I know where he's coming from. So we're trying to figure out how to tie his personal goals with, and his personal experiences with where we want to be and where we are as a company right now. So something we're considering, which, we've never really done this before. And it's kind of rubbing me the wrong way because it's potentially a little unfair to other trainers, which is we've had a lot of trainers approach us with management, approach us with new divisions of the company, right? Like brand Uh new divisions that they think will be beneficial. Right. Um, You know, we've decided, we wanted to start a division for women that, were were six to twelve uh, weeks uh, post uh, postpartum. We wanted to start a division for uh, individuals with certain uh, mental disabilities because there are certain ways that it can affect the body, right? We started to we wanted to start these different divisions as opposed to just working with your everyday common person. So, long story short, this uh, this kid decided he wanted to start a, a group exercise division because that's not really our specialty, um, and we're considering doing it now. Um, but we are a little bit slow with the potential ideas of it and the strategy of it and the implementation of it. So um, to wrap up this this long thing, he's a bit frustrated because that entrepreneurial drive is burning inside of him because we're a little bit slow to figure out how to actually implement this. Um, And then on the flip side, I have about 12 trainers who are a little bit frustrated saying, what about my great idea just three months ago? But from the from the CEO's perspective, we've never had talent like this. Outside of myself, we've never you've never had a person with substantial entrepreneurial and business experience along with the you know prototypical skills that we need to have from a personal trainer standpoint. Um we've just never had that. So we don't want to let this talent walk out the door. So what would be your tip, your advice on these two things, right? My my issue as you can probably assume this it's a big issue right now that, that I'm trying. To, to battle.
1: Yeah, it's almost it's almost one could say a nice problem. Oh, it's a, be- it's a beautiful uh, problem. It's an, opp- <laughs> it's an opportunity uh, for me as an employer. I'm putting the employer hat on. Um, yeah, you don't want to look like you're favoring one over the other, mm-hmm. despite um, this uh, individual in particular maybe having more um, skill sets, um, whatever it may be. Uh, however, I think it's it's worth mentioning to the entire team that this is something that you guys are considering. Yeah. Um. But uh, they're gonna need to be some parameters around it, right? Like it's still it's still the company, <laughs> so it's not gonna be a free for all. Yeah. And I'd even push it back to anybody willing to um kind of help build what that looks like um you know from the ground up. Yeah. So that it's not it's not you guys sort of doing it all alone in silo. Yeah and then we just have to wait around to the day you decide. But having this beep since it is so new, I mean you ultimately know um kind of what you need to get out of it. Uh and that could be sort of your guiding light. But how it gets done, I'd say I'd push it back on who wants to help me build it. Yeah. Come build it. You want it? Come build it. But this is what has to happen.
0: 100%. And just, you know,
1: what be what's the outcomes? You know, I also like to tell people there's research to show that um, satisfied, quote unquote, or happier um, employees are about 12% more productive. Yes. Um, so keeping that sort of in your mind, um, that to me is significant. And, you know, Gallup does a lot of polls about um, disengagement um Mm -hmm. with employees so that if you could get back 12 (laughs) percent productivity on them i mean i that's i wouldn't want to leave that um, yeah on the table but you know what's the cost of doing nothing and what's the alternative to not tying their ambitions to what your goals are um and is that worth
0: the risk Yeah. And, and, you know, it's another thing, too. Right. I remember when I when I when I first when I folded my last company, um, I remember I remember my very first interview with another company. And I remember getting turned down, actually, because they said that this was a really weird response. They said, number one, I was potentially overqualified, which I didn't really understand. Mm. Uh, but i guess in hindsight I, I get it because they said i was overqualified because they didn't he was a very short guy he said i don't know if i feel like dealing with the potential headache of an entrepreneur he said and i, huh. and, I ne- and i didn't understand what he meant by that And now i finally am starting to get it when you're an entrepreneur in your in your soul and you've done it like that's the thing a lot of people think they're entrepreneurs but this kid did it and i'm like you were 18 once. I was 18. Imagine being 18 and pulling this off, right? Leaving home, flying halfway across the country, and pulling this off, and now going back to being a mid-level employee. Um, there's a sense of confidence and a chip on your shoulder that you definitely will have. And so we're trying to we're trying to manage his ego right now as well, and yeah. and yeah. and uh, trying to make sure that he understands where we are trying to go as a brand and where we are looking to go overall and how he can be a big influence to that but at the end of the day it's a logo on a brand first um, and so uh, yeah I've just been dealing with that and, and and my my background and my experience has definitely been helping because it's it's made our bond a little bit tighter um, we went out and got some drinks the other a uh, few weekends ago and just, and just had a good old time right you know because I'm you know because I'm you know I'm only 28 right so I'm 28 he's 24 so I was still able to to kind of have that homie to homie uh, experience with him and really got to to, to to know him once he had a couple drinks and loosened up a little bit I got to really know um, how you know what makes him tick how his brain works and, and really what he wants out of life and that really has kind of helped me in the last couple of weeks kind of put some things in place to make sure that we secure a really high level talent like this because I will give him credit uh, since we're a startup it's very valuable to have someone that has not just the everyday personal training and skills that you need, but that can also help us out on the business end as well,
1: yeah, I mean, um gosh, so many things there. but I, I think having empathy, you know, for just understanding where where he's coming from, and I definitely but empathy, I think, yeah. I think you know, a lot of employers could um, to the extent that, you talked about having um, some one-on-one time with him outside the office, like really showing genuine interest. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Not on the surface, but like really genuinely being interested in him as a person and kind of like what's going on in your life. Because I want to help, I want to help make your dreams a reality. But at the end of the day, like this is the vehicle for us to be able to do that Mm -hmm. through this company. Um, I'm, I'm working on it. I want you to trust to me because it's really about trust, right? This, this is relationship building now, you know, um, yeah. this is what your challenges are up against, but understanding his. And I think the breakdown oftentimes happens when the employer doesn't do that part or just kind of stops at the surface. And then the employees sort of left like, okay, well, are you being serious? Like, how do I know you're seriously considering this? Or are you just kind of mm-hmm. pulling my chain and paying me lip service to it? But, showing that empathy and, and really, you know, it's so invaluable. Um, But, you know, the other thing that you said when um, you had interviewed and they basically said they didn't want the headache, (laughs) I laugh because that's a very odd thing to say only because, well, that highlights how, how not ready they are Um, and, and how, well, for lack of better words, inadequate their systems may be, uh, and Fair. and leadership to be able to to handle that. Because again, if I'm thinking as uh, a leader, you know, of course I want somebody entrepreneurial. Um, of course, I want a self starter and somebody who's self motivated. Though those those are the qualities of entrepreneurs, are they not? And you still need that within your your company or organization now of course it depends i guess what industry exactly but i think going back to kind of the trends i think we're going to see this shift i mean i'm not i'm trying to think of what industries do you still need to not be entrepreneurial when you have advanced technologies kind of taking on a lot of the the mundane you really need people who can think on their feet and um problem solve um, and I don't know, an entrepreneur and having that entrepreneurial mindset really comes to mind to me.
0: I, I totally agree with everything you're saying. I'll push back on the behalf of this guy because I definitely kind of now a little bit see what he was trying to say. Um, now if I was running the company overall, I'm hundred percent on board with what you just said. So let me push back a little bit on his behalf. I guess what he's saying and, and what my current leader is is saying, because he feels kind of the same way. When you're dealing with an entrepreneur, um, being a former one, you think you know best. And oftentimes, when you see the company going through a situation, whether it's a marketing, um, whether it's a marketing discipline or an action are trying to put in place an operational decision, um, whatever the case is going to be, when you see the brand doing something that you know doesn't work and mm-hmm. they decide to do it anyway... It can be so frustrating for you as an entrepreneur, because like I, I've done this before, this is not going to work. And I, I think where the issue comes into play is, is kind of what you said when you have an inc- inadequate leader that doesn't value the the experience and the talent of that entrepreneur, and to mm-hmm. listen, right? Because the mm-hmm. issue we're having right now is our leader. He says it's kind of a collaborative effort with strategy and decisions, but it's really not. It's more of a he does a lot of insular thoughts and then he'll let us know kind of the state of the union. And then he, then he incorporates us in what his vision is. It's not as, it's not a situation where he's sitting back, allowing each and every leader of of, of the team to Mm -hmm. pick their own strategies and him selecting one or two that makes the most sense for what we're doing now and testing those theories out. That's kind of the way that I would probably do it, but there's Mm -hmm. a, you know, what I mean, like I'm more of a let's not automatically shoot down a theory or a strategy uh, because I just intuitively don't think it's going to work because I, I don't know. Let's let's test out what this guy is saying if it fits into the overall vision. So um, I, I guess that's the a little bit of an issue that people have when they hire entrepreneurs. They think they know best when the entrepreneur normally doesn't have all the context when they're now an employee.
1: Um. I talked about the two um, sort of aspects of driving successful employee um, engagement. I talked about one of them being tying employees' goals to the organization. But if the other one, as you're talking, that comes to mind to me is um, consistent feedback. And for me, I most commonly, I see leaders withholding feedback from employees. And it could be, you know, I'm going to go back and think about it and then Mm -hmm. come tell you (laughs) Mm -hmm. and usually when i come tell you it's like no i don't like that but then that's where it stops Mm -hmm. um it's like you know here's why i don't like this or here's why this won't work or just being very um upfront in the beginning of here's what i'm working through i need to work through these things as i'm doing that you know you're free to do x y and z again sort of setting the the parameters around that Mm -hmm. um Mainly because for me, I believe withholding feedback, honestly, however difficult it may be, and again, it may not be something that employee wants to hear, is essentially robbing that individual of the opportunity to improve their performance. And that affects their ability to do their job well, to be fairly compensated and recognized. So for me, it's really important, um, you know, if you want your employees to do well, why wouldn't you provide that um, consistent,
0: specific feedback that would help them? You're totally right. Can I ask you a question that just kind of just overcame me right now? Like, are, are there, because you've been a professional and out in this world, you know, a little bit more than I have, uh, you know, because half of my professional career has been an entrepreneur and now the other half has been working for a brand here. Are there more leaders that think the way that we think? Like like in your, like your gut feel, if you had to put a percentage on it, how many people just truly think this way um, and act don't not only think this way, but, but act on this thinking and this, in in the, these perspectives. And what, so what's your gut feel on this? Because um, I think the percentage is awfully low. What? What's your, what's your thoughts on that?
1: I'd agree with that. Actually, it's really interesting. I, and I, I want to send this to you um, after we jump on, but um, there is a Harris poll on behalf of the, um, a company called Interact that in 2016 surveyed about 1,200 US workers. Okay. Mm-hmm. Six, uh, a little bit over 600 of them manage employees. And 69% of those managers said they are often uncomfortable communicating with employees. So that's over half aren't comfortable talking to their employees. We're not even talking about giving feedback. Mm-hmm. Okay, We're just talking to them. So when it comes to direct feedback, 37% said they're uncomfortable providing feedback if they think the employee might respond negatively. To me, this is such a revealing survey. It is. <laughs> and again, I, I encourage you to check it out because for me, that bottom line, U.S. leaders
0: are scared when it comes to communicating. Now, where do you think that's coming from? Because I, I, the first thought that popped into my head was this. There are two different types of leaders, and I think was it we me and you may have talked about this, but I know I definitely talked about this with my uh, interview with another gentleman uh, not too long ago. Um, we were talking about the the a natural leader from an EQ emotional intelligence empathy based communicator that um, can can galvanize a group of people, get them to be you know believe in a vision, inspired around this a vision able to get them to understand where we're trying to go with the brand, what decisions to make, all that good stuff, right? Things that I think me and you naturally have. And then you have a leader that is just damn good at their job. Thus, they are put in a situation where they are coming up with new systems and processes and operations that are going to help the next crop of people behind them to do the job just as well as they're doing it to kind of follow into the system. Um, I think there are two different types of leaders from that respect. My gut tells me that too many brands are looking at the people that are good at the black and white and the tactics and the skills instead of the gray, right? Because the gray are more people like me and you that are good at the EQ stuff, the emotional stuff, the employee experience, the, the, the that are good, just great communicators really get to know people. Um, I, I, think from what I'm hearing, potentially there are too many people that are getting promoted into leadership roles that are just are not natural born leaders or, haven't been put in situations to cultivate that challenge. Would you say that? Would you?
1: Agree? I agree. I mean, absolutely. For me, if you are, if providing feedback is something that scares you <laughs> um, yeah, that's... or it's just an activity that you don't want to do, to me, I was talking to um, someone uh, just earlier this week, and I said, you know, as you move up, okay, uh, up the the ladder, if you will, the atmosphere changes. And it's a funny thing that sort of happens when you're kind of down here and you're maybe a mid-level manager um, or entry level, like, it, you know, there's gravity. You're all good, right? Mm-hmm. The more you move up, something happens. Um, it's a shift and the the atmosphere is just different. There's no gravity up there right Mm -hmm. you are really responsible for kind of keeping yourself centered um and what happens is a lot of people i think and a lot of companies and a lot of organizations promote uh falsely on can this person do the do the work because they did such a great job in that last position yes i don't look for that i mean do you have for me if you want to move up are you developing the qualities um that i'm going to need from you at this level the next level, because if you don't have them, then we need to work with you now to develop them. Mm-hmm. Because you're not really going to be as helpful to me if you're still doing mid-manager stuff or entry level. Okay, as a director, it's going to be useful. I know. I know we're going to have a lot of issues, potential issues, and I, I mean, I've seen that um, and experienced that um, in in my own uh,
0: word of uh, work. And that would be uh, an internal, like, so I've been doing a little bit of research and I've been hearing about these influencers inside, inside of brands, right? These change agents, that, that would be along the lines of of maybe where you're going as well, which is people that like at a legitimate level just have influence um, and have the ability to change the perspectives of large numbers of people inside of the company, right? These people uh, inside the company appreciate this individual's thoughts. They think they're funny. They think they're nice they respect the work that they do this individual treats everyone with with fairness and kindness and empathy like is that maybe some some traits in the long lines of what you're saying
1: um absolutely but you know it changes for every company and organization um I'm kind of thinking about I mean, we talked a little bit about kind of the current skills gap mm-hmm. um And if you kind of think about that coupled with kind of the future trends, um, it could look different for every company or organization. You know, for me, I, you know, if you can solve complex problems um, and you've got the ability to empower or influence a team, those are really key things that I think are going to make you successful as a leader. Um, But that doesn't necessarily come naturally to everybody. So, I mean, there's there's definitely development and training. And I'd say, you know, um, well, going back to the skills gap, just to kind of yeah. set the state of what that is, essentially what we're talking about is basically the training and the skills job seekers have actually are not matching the skills and experiences that businesses need, right, in the emerging economy. So this misalignment or this mismatch, if you will, is what the skills gap is um so where are you learning this leadership development like in school and I think about it like in graduate school um I didn't even learn like how to be a leader do you know what I mean and like in undergrad they're really not it's been a while but they weren't teaching you um like how to be a leader like what are the qualities like how to have difficult conversations with your staff like nobody's teaching that. <laughs> but yet those are the skill sets uh, and experience that employers are wanting from people that they just don't have. And therefore that's why we have, we're kind of in this um, this mismatch or misalignment right now.
0: And, and to be fair, to be able to teach that, you can't read it in a book or just hear it in theory through a keynote or um, no, you know, having no. a professor what, you, what you're probably alluding to, which is in graduate school and in your undergrad, what needs to really happen is you need to be put in situations during whether it's like mock examples in class, whether that's uh, internships and shadowing. You need to be put in situations where you're experiencing dealing with individuals on a day-to-day basis, going through tough conversations, going through uh, all different types of scenarios that will build up those those EQ, those, those variables that are going to help you bring value to a company. Because, you know, if if you're even in the, even in the conversation of, of moving up throughout the ranks of a brand, you're probably going to have the black and white tactic skills to get to that next level. What the other component is, that's the other component is what you're talking about, correct?
1: Right. Absolutely. And I think about, well, what's not working and hasn't actually been working in uh, leadership development is any training quite honestly, that doesn't offer participants to apply the new skills on the job firsthand. Yeah. And so that practical stuff you're talking about. Absolutely. So going to a two day seminar and let me just say, I'm not trying to talk disparagingly about um, these, you know, one day, half day, one full week conferences um, that exist. There are companies that do a really great job. I just feel that unless somebody is able to apply what they learn it's you're not it's probably the potentially the biggest time suck that yields no return 100%. so i'd say it's like throwing away your development money in the trash those mm. development dollars i feel could be and would be better spent on a program that really demonstrated measurable results through having participants apply their training to sort of real world experience and measuring their improvement consistently over time i guess what i'm advocating for is like value based Leadership development grounded in real world element, uh, hmm. evidence.
0: The last thing I'll say on that: Do you? And you. It's probably the wrong way to put it because I'm sure you're, you're a nice person. You don't judge anyone. But from a from a professional standpoint, do you look at a leader that promotes someone? That doesn't have all the other intangibles that we were just, you know, referring to, right? The communication skills, all that good stuff. Do you look down, or not that down, but do you, when when you see a leader that promotes someone just based off of the hard skills, right, the black and white skills, the tactics? What goes through your head when you see that happen? What's your plan? (laughs)
1: Yeah, you know, like this is great, and I think that they definitely need to be recognized and their work acknowledged. Um, But what's the, and if they're, and I'm assuming that there has been no coaching for this individual prior to that's concerning to me because then we're just kind of like, I could tell you, okay, we may have issues here. Like what happens when you're expecting them to be able to solve complex problems and yet they're, now bringing these issues to you because they're not they're not equipped to handle them you haven't you haven't um, developed them in a way to be able to handle them are you gonna now take that on like i'm really gonna ask the question and be genuinely curious about like how is this gonna work like what's your plan
0: here um yeah interesting so Not to switch gears too much. It's kind of along the lines we were talking about. So employee experience, we both know is very important. Now, customer experience and appreciation is very important as well. Um, There was a little bit of time in my consulting career where I started getting really into the different tactics, tools, methodologies, perspectives around customer experience. I think there's not, I I think brands are not doing enough of a good job Mm. of, Um, having empathy for the end user the customer and trying to find cool creative um, innovative ways to impact them and engage the customer on a consistent basis I think it can help increase the profitability of the brand and there's a whole list of things that I like about that space Mm -hmm. but what I've noticed is brands are more inclined to go towards the customer experience and appreciation side of things and are a little bit not uh, a little bit reserved on the employee experience part. So if we had to put the two together, right, match them up, uh, what's more important in your eyes to have a sustainable growth or a sustainable brand, right, to make more, like pure business, like to make more money, to have more success, what do you think brings the most value, right, if you had to lean towards one or the other? Because the answer, the real answer is both, right? The real answer is balancing both, and doing a good job with both and having strategy with both. But that's in a perfect world, right? There's tons of brands that are putting 70% energy in co- customer experience. And yeah, this little employee experience thing over here is kind of important, but I don't really know too much about it. Don't really care. We're making money. We're good. Like, what are your thoughts on how to increase sustainable growth, period, And discussion from a business standpoint? And which one do you think is more important to do that if you had to lean towards one or the other?
1: So, of course, you're not going to like my answer because you've already said it. I mean, to me, it really it not an either-or situation.
0: I, I know. Actually. <laughs> I know.
1: You know, a, a business's goal is and should be to win customers by providing products or services that fills uh, that customer's needs and hopefully through creating a pleasant experience. None of that happens, in my opinion, however, with without... Um, a business's employees wanting to actually help in that effort like you can't have you can't have I'm trying to think of like a a company uh, it's not popping in my mind that would be like a really great example of somebody who is doing both Um, and that's the issue that's not popping in your mind well I'm really trying to like scan you know I had a couple people but I I don't know enough about the employee experience I'm thinking like Warby Parker and you know, and, yeah you know, all those. Yeah. Um, and just like your podcast title, I think it's imperative you start you start with the so maybe you might like this answer. You start with the employees. Hey, and yeah. when you align with their why, <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, really, the business takes care of itself. People yeah. become self-directed. they are self-motivated to do what's required for the business side. So yeah, you start with the employee and I and I promise the rest will follow.
0: Now to my second part of this. Now we both know that that's not the case with a ton of brands. The most successful brands, that is the case. So why do you think your everyday startup or your everyday mid-level brand that's doing, let's say, I don't know, fifty to one hundred million, or let's even let's you know let's even go a little bit lower, right? There, there's a ton of those out there, but let's let's call it the brands that are doing. Twelve to fifty million, right? Your 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 small businesses throughout the many communities and cities of America, right? Why do you think um, there's such a focus on retaining the customer? Do you think it's from a pure financial situation, like we have to, like like this is how you know we have three kids in college, we have a mortgage on the house, like like we have to sustain this business or our personal well-being is going to uh, be at jeopardy, right? Do you think it's more of a, a fear of, of losing a customer? And that's why they focus more on the customer experience end of it. it. When I first thought of this, I thought about my experience when I was the marketing director for 18 months for a chain of restaurants, uh, fine, fine dining restaurants here in Baltimore. And uh, in the restaurant industry, I don't know if you've ever worked in it, a lot of them just treat their employees horribly. Like treat their servers, their busters, their uh, hosts and hosts like they treat them horribly. Um, and the experience inside of the actual restaurant is really fear-based. Um, but the customer experience is beautiful. It's elegant. It's 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 amazing. It's clean. So, what are your thoughts on all that? Um,
1: a little bit. I didn't oh, hear did the I? very
0: last part. Yeah. Uh, I was just saying. At the very, did you hear me talk about the restaurant or? yeah 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 i didn't really say too much after that i just said that you know the restaurants really put a big emphasis on the uh, customer appreciation aspect of it and just treat their employees frankly like crap and a lot of small businesses um do that to a certain degree um a lot of organizations overall do that so i'm just trying to understand the psychology behind it right is it a fear of losing out on a customer from a financial standpoint um, and that's taking all of their energy, so they just don't want to spend too much time worrying about the other stuff. What do you think that is? It's a
1: really good question. Um, I think it may kind of actually relate to what we were talking earlier about um, kind of the the trends of um, employees needing to pick the employer just as mm-hmm. much. You know, and you picked I mean the restaurant industry. Um, so that's a kind of unique one in my opinion, only because, you know that for me, having not worked in it at least, but um, you know, being a, a patron, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of turnover that happens, Tons. right, in restaurants. So, and it's like a diamond doesn't like you can always there's always somebody willing to be a waiter or a server or a hostess. It's kind of low level, um, or not low level, but, um, you know, it's not a high be paying put, position. Be and, correct. Yeah, yeah, let's, let's do that. Um, it's not a high-paying position, and so you know, like this is what like if I'm an employer, I'm I'm not going to say any, but you know, I'm, I'm I'm Jack, you know, whatever, and you know, you and his names, uh, <laughs> trying not to use names, um. You know, like, this is, you have a hostess position, I have a waiter, I'm only going to pay you minimum wage, the rest you got to make in tips. I mean, really, if you're great, you're great, it's on to you, and if you're great, I'll keep you, and if not, you know, oh well, there'll be somebody else who needs that paycheck, who's willing to kind of do the work. I don't know, that's a very good point. Again, I haven't thought about that in sort of the future of work, like how certain industries are going to change. I don't know how, um, the restaurant industry has been um, disrupted very much, but if I kind of think about it, so like if you've been to a McDonald's recently, um, so these are fast food chains. Don't get me wrong, because you had mentioned fine dining, but if you go into some of these um, fast food chains, you know now they have, um, I guess they're, they're touch screens yeah, where you yeah. can go in order. Yeah. So again, like tech, not going back to technology, man. Uh, we don't even need you. <laughs> like I could just put a big iPad yep. in the middle of the in the thing and you could just, you know, walk right up and somebody will make your food. Um, and just call your number when you're done. So I actually don't need to deal with somebody at the cashier. So I don't know. Like that's a disruption I think is is happening. Again, that's in and fast food industry. Mm-hmm. Um fine dining. I, I'm curious how that will kind of evolve as we go on but um yeah and i mean i kind of think about what would what would a fine dining place look like if they actually paid their uh servers and their waiter, waiters um you know at a price point that that you could actually make a like a living wage on that um what would the level of service change i would imagine so um i imagine they'd have lower turnover too is it feasible for that industry i don't know
0: yeah yeah you'd have to get into the margins and a lot of different details that we don't know but uh, i i guess on that and just moving forward um yeah just being in it and just seeing it there was one there was one restaurant that i did know the uh the general manager um there was 30 there were 30 servers there and the general manager um, each day out of the month, because they were open seven days a week, um, she uh, she would take she would take one each you know a different server every day, um, and have them meet her at the um, have meet her at the local Starbucks um, for about an hour before the shift started, uh, and just genuinely have conversations about life. Um, there was one kid that was a really big uh, fan of Kanye West and was inspired by producing music and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, she would, you know, listen to his his latest little mixtape and kind of give her two cents on it and just see how the family was doing. And, you know, she just genuinely cared and built legitimate friendships with every single one of her servers to the point that, you know, after speaking with these people, I realized that when she would ask them to stay a little bit later on a shift they would do so which obviously impacted the, the financial results in the business period And discussion right when right. um when customers came in and they were standing near the manager or the general manager rather their their energy and their excitement would increase not out of fear but out of the out of the potential guilt of not letting her down wanting to prove to her that they appreciate this job they appreciate the opportunity and I just feel good about being here because I know that I'm, I'm standing, I'm, I'm right here working in front of a friend, someone that cares about me. Right. Um, so I definitely think the level of service has increased based off of the people that I talk to. Um, I personally didn't go through something like that, but I know that it's possible in, in that industry itself. Um, it definitely would increase the, the level of service for sure.
1: I mean, yeah, absolutely. Uh, what's the old saying? Like it pays to be nice. Like it also costs you nothing, right? So you don't have to worry. I mean, when they're talking about um, like uh, employee engagement and how to increase employee engagement, a lot of these things, I get it. um, And there's a lot of uh, companies that are kind of centered around that, but it's also like, it's not that complicated. You just have to be a real person. You just have to really build um, genuine relationships with your staff. Uh, and actually care, and not just do it on the surface. And it, when you have that sort of human connection, yeah, I think people will see that. Um, and they'll, they'll
0: want to reciprocate. That's, that's the part that I'm not getting right now my journey. Uh, I think, as I've already kind of explained to you what I'm going through. Um, that's the part I'm not getting during the two hours of just meeting and speaking with different mentors, reading blogs, articles, research. That's the part that I'm just a lot of the content out there and a lot of the articles and a lot of the different tactics are definitely fun and useful and effective, I give you that. But it just goes, like, I just, I just don't get it, right? For me, it's like, why can't we just treat these people with respect? Like, let's just yes, start like at people. a very simple <laughs> level, right? Like, why can't we just treat them like people, treat them like we would treat our mom or our dad or our brother or sister a boyfriend or husband, like treat them like family to some degree, care about what they have going on in life. Um, be, I don't know, like, they start there. All these other things are kind of like these little shiny toys and objects. Like, and these other strategies seem more like tactics and not the religion. Um,
1: Absolutely. You yeah, know what no, I mean?
0: I 100% agree with you. Um, so that's what I've been finding pretty odd as I'm doing my research. And it's, 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 it's honestly getting a little overwhelming for me because I'm putting a lot of new tactics and ideas into my head and and it's helping obviously because my core my religion is what i just said but i'm just thinking of other leaders that would be trying to apply tactics opposed and when it, when in their gut this isn't their true authentic feeling
1: um you kind of get talking about to me that pops in is kind of like employee benefits uh 100%, I, 100 yeah. 100%, 100% agree with you like there are very creative ways um If you do some research and again, there are whole industries and companies around uh, like how to do this better. But yeah, like they tend to be more tactics rather than um, kind of really looking at the employee as a total person and what and appreciating that and kind of thinking about what your business needs and aren't just for the right now, but in the future. Mm -hmm. Um, And I do believe that there are creative, I mean, to go along with benefits uh talk kind of down there that employers can offer employees that would like help attract and retain, uh, you know, the workforce. For me, um, I was reading a report by PwC. Uh, it's called PwC Twenty First CEO Survey, and in there they reported that about eighty six percent of CEOs said that they're modernizing their work environment. Seventy seven percent are. Um, implementing or considering implementing uh, flexible ways of working to recognize you know how today's talent wants to work Mm -hmm. Um, and 85 percent are deploying continuous learning and development programs and 79 percent are improving compensation packages and to me you know i think about oh like student loan payoff right so like obviously depending on the company industry and their resources right because some benefits may be more feasible than others, mm-hmm. I would stress that employers really just need to get to know their workforce. Like going back, right? Like having those conversations. Like, what does uh, Pete bring him back? Uh, what does Pete, Pete care about? Pete's coming back. <laughs> Pete's coming back. What does Pete really care about? What's important to Pete? You know, what are Pete's goals, and how can I, as the employer, tie what his goals are um, to to what my goals are? like there's got to be a way that we can do this together. Um and how exciting can that be? And now you're jazzed. Okay, because you're like, okay, I'm getting something from this and I'm getting some something from this and you know, you're um you're engaged yep. to want to do that. I mean, that's that is that should be the goal for every leader, every CEO um that should be the goal that you're you're striving towards. You know, I've dealt with this uh, firsthand, actually. I had to, a couple years ago, adjust our benefits to meet the needs of our workforce. And sometimes this even required me to adjust our work environment. And in this case, in particular, through adding remote technology, right? And the whole reason was behind um, offering increased flexibility for the working mothers and fathers in my organization
0: hundred percent. No, that, that makes a ton of sense. Um, and, and how did that go? Actually, I was going to move on, but how did that, how did that go? What was the, obviously appreciated it, but was the actual implementation for that difficult? Like, was that, was that like a brand new, like, was, was it difficult putting in the systems and the infrastructure to do so? Or was it pretty relatively easy? Like, what were the other leadership's thoughts on that?
1: I mean, yes and no. So it was something that I knew. People said, like, man, it would be really great if I could access my stuff from home. Like, in the case that, like, I had to go home because I had a sick child, right? And then if you're a parent, like, when you get that call from school and it's like, come pick up your kid, and you're like, oh man, you know, like, how do I, how do I do both? <laughs> and not everybody sort of turns it off. Of course, you know, you care for your child, you you immediately go, but then you're also like, oh my god, what am I missing? And how does my employer think? like I'm going to make up the work and like all these things you're worrying about. Um, you know, for me, I'm like, I don't want you to be worrying about that stuff. I'm very much like, you know, you know what you need to do. You know, your job, just get that done within the time frame that you can, like you're 100% responsible for managing your own time. Um, and so the implementation, you know, because it was something that they wanted and and they voiced now my leader at the time, um, bit older, right? Wasn't really going to ever work from home. (laughs) That was kind of a new concept. and I knew that, but I really was able to um, influence him in a way to say that, well, you know, you may not do it, but you know, you see these like six other people who really actually do the work that you need them to do um, to keep us moving towards our mission. This is something that's important to them. And Mm. if it's actually inexpensive and it was at the time, rather than my my other option was to like buy a whole new server like a physical server. Oh uh, wow. I was like that doesn't make any sense. Like let's save money and give them what they want. And of course it was easy because now I had buy in, right? Like everybody's like pumped up. Like this is awesome. Of course I'm going to give you, you know, my time and attention for the training and learn how to use the system. And do what I, do, whatever you need me to do, which is like moving files and like, you know, all that other stuff that comes along with kind of transferring over to a new 100%. system. I they were willing to do it because I was; it was mutually beneficial to all of us.
0: I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, let me ask you this then. Being a friend to those that uh, your direct reports, right? The people that are directly reporting to you. Being a friend. Positive or negative. What are your thoughts on that?
1: I'm positive. I think people should definitely be friendly to the people.
0: No, like work. a friend, yeah. like a legitimate friend.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I don't see any issue with it. And, and maybe, I guess, the only thing I would caution folks, especially peers, right, who maybe have stepped into a new leadership position, um, is to set boundaries
0: mm-hmm. about
1: your about your new role and your intentions right and at the end of the day you don't need to be nasty or aloof if you're like a new leader but you do need to be respected um and so your direct reports especially if that happens to be this person's this situation in particular they need to know that your that your role and interaction is likely to be different but that's okay um and you can be friends i i'd like to say that i'm genuine friends with the people I work with, you know, I care about their kids and their significant others and, you know, what they're going to do for um, vacation and, you know, their sick mother or whatever it may be. Um, I think that's important because that again, going going back to like building genuine relationships with the people you work with. People need
0: that. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. You know, I, I'm obviously all for it too. That's kind of you know, something that comes natural to me, but, um, I have I've recently gotten, gotten mixed reviews on that question, right. I've mixed answers. I've, I've had a few that were answering just how you were saying totally, but create boundaries when it comes to a friend trying to, you know, get over a little bit on making a mistake or two that you normally wouldn't allow to happen. That can be a big detriment to what you are trying to do with the business. Um, and then I've had others that just said flat out, you know, this is not the place to to have friends. You know, I have enough friends in my personal life, and and I didn't really agree with that either. Um, I just thought it was pretty interesting. I, I I've currently uh, seen that me being very friendly and and legitimately being friends with these individuals, um, I've seen them not take me seriously on first and second, mm-hmm. first and second. Uh, situations like my first and second responses to situations that are just not good and negative that I need to kind of put a little, put my foot down a bit. I've noticed them not taking me seriously on that. But once I kind of confirm to them that this is something that is an issue and I, and they kind of see the shift in my tonality, they, they automatically shift actually and, and respect it a little bit more because it doesn't come too often. The The 90% of it is the friendly normal, uh, AJ, that's what people call me. Um, mm-hmm. and then, then, then there's the 10%, which is, look, I'm not really playing around. Here's what's the issue. Let's all focus and figure out how we're going to solve this problem or let's all focus and figure out how we're going to help you solve this problem. Whatever the cases are going to be. Um, what are your thoughts on that, right? Them not taking it seriously initially and then kind of getting into the shape there.
1: Yeah. I kind of think, um, as you kind of gave that example, I kind of go back to setting boundaries, right? Like there yeah. are okay, so like the friends who have known me forever, like I can be, and it's probably not going to come across in this podcast, <laughs> but I can be kind of like a funny, silly individual, right, with them. Um, so I'm I may be one way uh, with a particular group of friends, and then another way with another set of friends. Mm-hmm. We're still friends. It's just how I show up how i present myself and i'm still authentically me let's not um, get that uh, confused mm-hmm. but you know you sort of reveal um i don't know certain aspects of yourself and and i think if you're at thinking about work you got to think about that um and it's really about setting like kind of think about like how do you want to show up knowing that this is work related and really sending setting those boundaries so that there isn't a confusion i think mm-hmm. about like oh is it just like aj's being aj or no like aj like you're cool or anthony this is like i can hang with him but at the same time like
0: i know that there are these um, yeah problems. yeah and i and i joke sometimes too and it's like it's like all right it's anthony talking here let's uh let's, <laughs>
1: yeah let's, this is anthony speaking
0: right yeah let's let's figure this out here um no, but, you know, and you know what, you know, again, the last thing I'll say on that is it's really been a benefit because when I do get a little bit more serious, uh, they're respected immediately and they give me their full and undivided attention um, because they know that the respect level that I have for them as a human and the care that I have for them as a human is incredibly high. And so uh, they, they reciprocate. They, they give that right back to me. Uh, which is which is which is nice, right? Um, right? You can you can tell when an employee just has very little respect at a personal level for a leader, just based off of oh, their body yeah. body language and things of that nature. Everybody um, can feel that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. The last thing here, I'm looking at the time. The last question I've been dying to ask, uh, because it's something that I'm I'm really trying to put in place here. I've been searching the web and and again speaking to a lot of people that I work with trying to find examples of this. And I finally found an example. So um, there's a such thing called kind of creating benefits based off of the employee's context, right? So every employee has a completely different story. Everyone's in a different stage of their career, different stage of life personally, and creating benefits in an experience conducive to their own personal context. Um, mm-hmm. I think we've talked about this a little bit. But I want to kind of get your thoughts on the actual implementation of it. Because right now, I'm just in theory mode, right? I've, I've implemented, implemented it a bit. I've uh, done this at a to very small doses a bit. But it's something I want to really roll out and make this kind of the bread and butter and like our religion here at the brand. Uh, I'm getting a bit of pushback because he's not quite sure of how we would implement it as we scale. Because so so my CEO is all big it's really big on whatever we do right now needs to be able to be duplicatable and, and, and something we can put in place when we have 350 trainers or a thousand trainers or we're in 18 different states opposed to just being in the three cities, four cities we are now. Like he wants to the systems that we have now needs needs to be needs to be able to sustain and withhold the system that we that we're going to have in the future. Um, so let me ask you this. Let me give you, I guess, a practical example Um If you have a 27 year old employee that genuinely is a huge fan of Drake, has been doing a great job for the last seven, eight months, and instead of the normal, let's call it $800 to $1,800 bonus they may have earned, you then have a very genuine conversation, and instead of that bonus, you find different ways to get them three tickets for himself his girlfriend and his brother to the concert and you add in a nice little exclusive you see what i'm saying it's but it's around Mm -hmm. the same price point that you are already going to spend anyway but you figured out the data that he genuinely loved drake not only based off of speaking to other co-workers and speaking to him but you sat him down and said here's what we're thinking of doing instead of your bonus um what are your thoughts obviously his thoughts are going to be hell yeah like of course this is amazing what are your thoughts on stuff like that where it's just like purely benefits and then what are your thoughts on the flexibility of kind of what you were just talking about the flexibility of remote work or the flexibility of repositioning certain tasks based off of the employee's context like life changes um, things that are happening in their life and and repositioning how they do their work, when they do their work, what things they work on based off the differences and the, the, the things that are changing in their life, right? Kids, that family dynamics, whatever the case is going to be. Um, what are your thoughts on doing that? And how do you scale that at a, at a large level? Cause I'm assuming it's hard to do it for a big company, right? You have 500 employees, a thousand employees. Uh, how do you do that? That's a great question.
1: Um I think, I'm trying to think high level first, and it is kind of going back to what we discussed previously about benefits. But, you know, again, depending on the company and their resources, um, some benefits may or may not be feasible. And for me, again, I would stress that employers really get to know their workforce, who's working for them. And I think having that insight will kind of guide you in the right direction right like what are the things that uh our people care about because i could turn around and argue like we'll just give him the 1800 cash bonus and he can go buy his own tickets right like theoretically like we could just not do that <laughs> um but what but sometimes you know it's the act right like he knows yeah. like if he yeah. were to do that like he could go do that on his own but it's the fact that like oh i didn't have to do that um it wasn't like I was getting both but it was it was um it was the equivalent of that and perhaps for whatever reason that's more meaningful right yep. um, so I think you really have to understand like high level like what who do we have working for us what are their values uh and then really getting clear about what your values are um as a company and organization so this is not company related, but um, in my family, rather, I'll talk about this. I mean, I told my kids that, you know, I am not going to buy things. Like, that's just not one of my values. Like, you can go, there's several people in our family that you can go and ask um, to buy you things, like the latest sneakers or whatever. Like, Mm -hmm. that's just not something I value. So I will not be spending money on those things. However, I do spend money on experiences right and the value in my household is is just that like we like we spend value on experiences we place a high value on that and to me that means like going on vacations or um horseback riding or experiencing things that we haven't experienced before yeah um that cost that costs money to go do and i can't do that if I'm buying tchotchkes or the latest sneakers or the latest toys or whatever. So yeah. does that make sense? Like it's a, it's a family related example. because um, I haven't actually had that conversation um, as, a, as a organization, but I think there's nothing from preventing organizations or companies rather having that level of um, uh, conversation with their mm-hmm. employees and their workforce to say, hey, this is our company. This is what we stand for. These are our values. And anybody who works here understands those. And this is what the benefits package based on those values looks like. Yeah. Right? And if it's experiences, for example, then we are happy to provide those experiences. Here, three tickets to the latest concert or the concert of your choice or whatever. You know, that feels more meaningful than just... Telling an employee like, "Here's eighteen hundred dollars. Now you can go buy your own thing." Like that feels more transactional. Mm. So I get it, but I think you really have to kind of define who you are yeah. first, and then understand who they are, and then communicate that, and then yeah. build and then build a benefits package um, that that looks that goes along with that. If that makes sense. You know, one thing I brought up earlier was. um student loan payoff you know for me if you've got um let's say like people out of college maybe um maybe well into their 40s example right and you knew your workforce still had like student loans like is that something um like we're a company that likes to be debt-free right like our values like we place high emphasis on on um being debt free and having our employees uh, maximize their financial wellness or just financial wellness to begin with. Yeah. So we're here to help you pay off student loan debt. I think that would definitely increase, help that company increase maybe retention um, or attract um, really people who also valued that and would be willing to um, work for a company or organization like that
0: yeah so essentially what you're just saying is with with myself and other leadership we just need to have a a conversation on uh, what is the what is the the highest value that we all agree on that that's going yep. to kind of be the the foundation of the brand and how are we going to strategize and organize our uh, benefits and our decision making to support our our troops around that that overall core core value um, yeah absolutely yeah. And, and, you know, I, I've got the sense that, again, my my value is it's, it's really just about helping in any way possible and making sure that I, I genuinely believe through personal experiences that if an employee is uh, if an employee notices, number one, that everyone at the leadership level in the brand cares, number two, if their lifestyle is comfortable from a financial perspective as well as the day-to-day tasks that they're working on from that perspective, they genuinely are comfortable financially and they enjoy to some degree what they're doing. I believe that will, that will put them in a better mental space, Absolutely. which will then give yeah. us more capability to give them more work, which from a neuroscience perspective, their brains more opened up. Innovation can increase. All of those factors will kind of increase and spike. I just, that's, in a long winded version of what I just genuinely believe, believe in, which is comfortability, you know, authenticity, and just bringing value and caring. You know what I mean? That's just where I come from. Um, Absolutely. So I that, and,
1: and I think that you, um you, you'll start to filter people, right? Like people, if they know your values can kind of assess for themselves, like, Oh, uh, this is not the spot for me mm-hmm. or, you know oh somebody who goes exactly no this is the kind of place that i've been dying to work at you
0: know exactly
1: (laughs) so one hundred percent.
0: okay well uh i appreciate this this was another fantastic conversation yes about
1: it yeah i definitely appreciate being back on and as always it's been a pleasure um to talk with you and I, i look forward to our future conversations
0: of course. Well, we will be in touch very soon. Uh, I know that um, we'll talk about a potential book maybe in the future here that maybe we can talk about. <laughs> yes. Um, and uh, yeah, I really appreciate you being on again.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, at the very least, I'd like to offer you and, and your listeners um, to be part of a private Facebook community I have called Next Gen Leaders. And that's just a place where we discuss everything, leadership and advice for aspiring and current leaders, kind of like continuing the conversations that
0: um, we're having here today. I would love that. I really would appreciate that. Awesome. I'll send you um, the link. Perfect. All right. Thank you so much.
1: Anthony, it's been great. Thank you. All right. You have a good night. Mm -hmm. Take care.